The Yankees continue to do their best Chumbawamba impersonation in 2021. They get knocked down, but they get up again. After making the field of dreams a nightmare, making their fans drink a whiskey drink, a vodka drink, a lager drink, and a cider drink to get them through the glass case of emotions of that game, they win another series and have the best record in baseball since July 6th. However, there are still cracks in the armor, and fabulous comic Vic DiBattetto is here to discuss those cracks and crack us up. It all happens next on a brand new edition of the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Potter Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees dominant relief pitcher Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer as well, Jake Brown, during the show as well. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran. Yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Do us a favor, go into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating and write in a positive review. We appreciate it. Yankees fan and hilarious comedian Vic DiBattetto will join us later in the pod. But first, Nelly and I will take you through the first segment here. And Jeff, you know, every time the Yankees get knocked down, they get back up again. And they have the best record since July 6th. They've won now 10 of their last 11 series. And you have to think about it this way, too. They are 23-11 and 11 since July 6th. And those 11 losses, there's four in there, Nelly, that the Yankees, you know, had their typical Yankee games where they blew it late in the game. They could very well be 27-7 and seven over those last 34 games. But they'll take it, and they'll definitely take bouncing back after that horrific loss at the field of dreams, making that a nightmare and taking another series against the White Sox. Yeah, they made it interesting in the first, the last two games in Chicago as well, going all the way to the ninth inning. I, I just want to see them healthy. They're going to get Cole back. Montgomery's coming back. You're going to get Sanchez back. You'll get Rizzo back. Uh, it'll be interesting, you know, to see what they're going to do with Voight, about where they're going to play him. They got, I guess they're good problems to have because you have so many good players. But uh, it's alarming because to me with the bullpen now, you know, you keep you keep going through certain aspects of this team and some things keep bothering you. And right now it's the bullpen. And I know the ninth inning is a special inning. And it's, you know, a lot of it is because, okay, set up guys when they're in the seventh and eighth inning, you know, if they if they get in some sort of trouble, they look over their back. Not that they use that as a as a safety blanket but you know you always have somebody maybe trying to come in and bail you out uh the ninth inning you don't have that the ninth inning is yours it's the last three outs it takes a special mentality you know some setup guys can be closers they have that mentality they go out there in that seventh and eighth inning and they treat that okay that's the ninth for me uh but so far with the yankees they haven't had that you know, you've looked at this merry-go-round that they've had in the last couple games, even in the Field of Dream games, that Boone's trying to piece together any way he can to get those last three outs. And, and sometimes it in- makes it interesting. You had Abreu on Sat- well, yeah, Saturday, and then you had Wandy yesterday. So it's, to me, I don't understand. You know, obviously, Chad Green is not a closer. Obviously, he's better left in the seventh and eighth inning, and I don't think I could go to him in the ninth inning anymore. What Britain has come out and said is really alarming to me. You know, I don't, I only remember one other player going into the manager's office and saying, you know what, I think it's better off that you play him. And this was a position player when I played, and he was a teammate of mine. And to have, I wish it wouldn't have leaked out in the media. You know, I wish it would have, uh, 
been kept in house instead of, oh, you know, Britain came in and said, I don't deserve to pitch in these innings anymore because he's a former closer. He knows that mentality. Maybe his stuff is not nearly as nasty as it was when he was with the Orioles, but he still has nasty stuff. But watching him the other day when he had to come in in the ninth inning on Saturday and he couldn't throw a strike, he had no clue where it was going. And all this, you know, it's just disappointing to hear those words out of somebody, especially someone like Britain to go in and say, I don't deserve to pitch in these innings. Don't pitch me anymore in the ninth inning. That's alarming to me. Well, don't you think they deserve to, or he deserves to get right? I mean, I don't know how you keep running him out there. If if he doesn't think he's right, and you're right, that should have been kept in house. That should have been between Boone and Britain. Uh, that shouldn't have been uh, something. Is that, that something said. that he said to the media, or did somebody... I think it's something he said. Yes, and I think he should have kept that to himself. You can't say that. You can't. When you had when you when you had the season he had in 2016, and yeah, he probably doesn't have the same stuff he had in 2016 with the Orioles when he was a lights out closer uh, in Zach Britton. But you can't say that stuff now. Maybe the Yankees didn't do uh, him any favors. Maybe they rushed him back from the last time on the injured list. Uh, maybe he still has some stuff to work out. Maybe he needs to go back down to Scranton and work on some things. Don't keep running him out there if he isn't right. If you're protecting a Roldis Chapman the way you did before the All Star break, why are you not? protecting Zach Britton. I know you need his arm, but if he's not there mentally, and you know this as well as anyone, Nelly, Mariano Rivera, he was your teammate for, for how many years? And as soon, if, if he had a bad outing, as soon as he walked off the field and lost the game, and let's face it, they were few and far between in his career, his illustrious Hall of Fame career, the only unanimous person to get into the Hall of Fame, by the way. But if he had one of those outings, he flushed it immediately and he was able to go out there the next day it was like men in black you know he would take out the neuralizer (laughs) he would neuralize himself forget what just happened and just do his job the next night and as he lost velocity he found out different ways to get guys out he still had the one pitch he worked on his location he had pinpoint accuracy i i understand because i know you were upset we were talking about it over text and i know you would get upset because you come from the mindset and and we heard mike stanton earlier in this year on this podcast saying you know what? Figure it out. Figure it out. You're a professional. Your team needs you. They need your arm. They need your prowess on the mound. Figure it out for crying out loud. Yeah, I, I don't. I know it's different. It's a different age now, and, and guys are a lot more sensitive. They get protected a lot more. They don't throw two days in a row very often. They don't ex- you know, extend them a lot. You know, a lot of I heard yesterday as well is why can't Lewisga go two innings? You know, he could have easily gone two innings yesterday instead of all of a sudden going through Lipke and. And Wandy, you know, you could have had Lewisga go too. I know he pitched the night before, but so what? I mean, this is this is the big leagues. This is what you're made for. But they don't do that anymore, and they haven't done that in a while now. And that's just that's not just the Yankees; it's everywhere. Uh, I wish it would have been in house with what Britain have said because it's better left that way. I don't know if he if Zach was looking for, hey, this is my excuse. I'm really sorry. Yeah, everybody. Anytime you give up the game or you don't do well, you you should feel bad. You know, you should take it personal. You know, that's a competitor. You know that that's what that's what you're made to do. You know, you're made to succeed, but you're not going to succeed every time. And when you do fail, you, you have to you have to own up to it. But at the same time, you don't make an excuse for yourself and look for a bunch of pat on the backs by the media or, or your teammates saying, oh, you know what? I, you know, I, I don't deserve being, I mean, what is that? That's what is that? A moral victory? I don't, I don't get it. You know, it's better left and said, say, Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe there is something going on with them. Maybe they did rush him back. You know, to me, you know, once Chapman having Britain down there 
I'm thinking, okay, if Chapman goes down, here's the next closer because he's that he's been that dominant in his career and he can pitch the ninth inning. These other guys can't pitch the ninth inning. And all of a sudden he comes out and says, I don't deserve, I, I'm not going well, I don't deserve to pitch in that. And like you said, figure it out. This is the big leagues. You get paid a lot of money, not a lot of money to pitch in mop-up games, a lot of money to pitch in the ninth inning when you need it, a lot of money to pitch in the eighth inning when you need it. Not somebody that's going to go out there and say, hey, you know, I don't deserve to pitch in these innings. This is just not normal to me. I don't get it. He told Marley Rivera that he, he said, I told him I don't deserve to be out there in the ninth inning. Other guys deserve it. I haven't been pitching the way I should be to be out there when the team needs wins. I told Boone, I want to pitch whenever you need me. I'll be ready, but I don't deserve to be out there in those situations. But that's what you get paid for. Right, that's what that's telling everybody don't said. pitch me in those. I'm, exactly. I'm not going to succeed in that. He's already outthought himself by going in those innings saying, you know what? I'm not going to succeed. He's already failed before he even got on the mound. You know, and it's funny too, Jeff, because there's a sign right before you leave the Yankee clubhouse area and get into the dugout. It's three simple words. Do your job. And and that's his job. When he gets called upon to get outs, that's his specific job. Go out there and get outs. If you can't do that, then maybe you need to go down and work on some things or come up with one of those, you know, air quote, Chris Farley fake injuries to go work on some things. Who the hell knows? But we're sitting here bitching about Zach Britton, which, you know, I thought that we needed to bring that up. And you're absolutely right, Jeff, for bringing it up. But, you know, we could sit here and bitch about that. But the Yankees, just think about what this team is doing. Smoke and mirrors, lipstick on a pig, whatever you want to call it. This team, through everything that they're doing, you know, Nestor Cortez just threw a career high six innings and a career high 98 pitches against a White Sox team that was 35 and 11 versus left handers the past two seasons. They are doing this. It's kind of impossible what they're doing. They're 13 games over 500. That's a season high. The only loss to the White Sox this season, and they're the best team in the American League Central, was the Field of Dreams game. They've taken five of six from the White Sox. They are beating good teams. But here's the thing, Jeff. They have three big ones coming up against the Red Sox. They're three and 10 against Boston. They have a negative 18 run differential against Boston. Now, Boston has seemed to righted the ship a little bit. They've won their last three. Seems like they've had a course correction. And now here they come into the Bronx after this makeup game with the Angels. And we're going to see if all of this stuff from July 6th, what the Yankees have been showing, Jeff, we're going to see if they could put their money where their mouth is and actually go out there and take the Red Sox and squash them. Well, because this is going to be, you know, you look, you have what, five weeks of the season left. These are the games that you have to win series. They've been winning series. They've been playing good baseball. They've been piecing it together. However they're winning, they're winning. You know, the bottom line is you can, as long as you get a W, it you know, doesn't matter how you're getting it. And, you know, they're going to play the Angels on Monday, that makeup day, and that's not a gimme. But then you go into Boston, you can't look ahead. But obviously you have, I mean, you have Boston come in, you have a doubleheader on Tuesday, and then you have the game on Wednesday. You have to take two out of three. This is a team, actually, you, should, you need to sweep because that's the only way you make up games right now is when you're playing your own teams in your own division, if teams are ahead of you, you need to sweep them and try to make up games that way. Uh, you know, because you look at their standings, they're two and a half out of the wild card, they're five and a half out of the division. The Red Sox, you know, anytime a team plays the Orioles, it, you, you get researched, you get recharged. And yet Red Sox just beat up on the Orioles and now they're back. You know, the Yankees have done the same thing. You know, you go play Baltimore. Everybody, go play Baltimore. The Rays the same way. Go play Baltimore, though. They'll, they'll get you back in, if you're struggling. 
And that's just uh, even the Rays. The Rays were struggling for a while. They go into the Baltimore and they beat the pants off of them. And all of a sudden now they took off. They've lost a couple in a row, but it, it's that way. If you want the, the definition of the Yankee season, where they're at right now, what are they, five and a half out as we tape this year on Monday before they play the Angels makeup game? They are 10 and 19 against the Red Sox and Rays. There's the difference in this season. Right. And the teams and, and the Blue Jays are right behind you. You know, don't you, you don't look in your rear, rear view mirror because you have a bird that's sitting right behind you and it's a Blue Jay and it's and it's it's knocking on your door and just waiting for you to fall because there it seems like everybody is taking the same steps. Everybody wins the same time. Everybody loses the same time. And that's what frustrates you. We talked about what do we uh, when do you start watching the scoreboard? It's the frustrating part if you're – I'm a scoreboard watcher. I've always been a scoreboard watcher, right? a standings watcher. I always wanted to see where we were in the standings, especially if we had a good team. And it's frustrating when I look up and say, you got to be kidding me. They won? Oh, you, th- this team can't win? And, and, you know, you can't – they can't beat them? I mean, it's I've always been that way. And it's, it frustrates you as a player because you're like, you got to be kidding me. We win. We win three in a row, and, and they were winning three in a row. So 1998 must have been really boring for you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because it was like, okay, well, we know we're in first. I mean, it was such a big thing. You know, when I was with Seattle in 95, we were all we had to do is have the Oakland A's. We were in first place. The Oakland A's were playing the California Angels then. That was California back then. And we were playing the Rangers. And, and, you know, it didn't matter. All we had to do is win one game against Texas. And all the A's had to do is beat the Angels one game out of four. And we would have clinched division. Next thing you know, at the four-game series, and they couldn't even win. And you're sitting there, and you're, you're drinking beer after the game. You're like, you got to be kidding me. The A's can't beat this team once. <laughs> And it's that way every single time. And unless you have big leads, then, then you don't worry about it. You just laugh at everybody behind you. But, you know, if, if the, any Yankee players are in there watching the standings, they're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. We win today. And the next thing you know, the Boston, you know, they're in there playing the Orioles. So it's still an uphill climb for the Yankees. You know, they still have to figure things out. They, they're, they're getting it done in all different ways. And, you know, I just like to see guys get healthy. And I think we talked a little bit. Cole's going to go against the Angels. And I think we're both scratching our head about why when you're playing a, a, a serious, more important series against the Red Sox, when I'd much rather have Cole in a seven-inning game go against the Red Sox than pitch against the Angels. Nothing against the Angels, but... no. No, absolutely not. It makes no sense. It's another one of these moves like sending Greg Allen back down to Scranton and signing Jonathan Davis, who the Blue Jays couldn't wait to jettison. It makes no sense. No sense. It's like overthinking, but what are you overthinking? You could have started uh, Jordan Montgomery's also coming back. You could have started Jordan Montgomery. You could have started Luis Heal. And had Montgomery and Cole going in back-to-back seven-inning games, coming back from COVID, it just—it's common sense, Jeff. No, I—I I, I know, and I don't know of any other team that would do this. You know, I, any team playing an important series, you want your best starter going against that team. And there's teams that rearrange their rotation, knowing that they're going to go in and play a very important series. And I'm going to rearrange. If I have off days, I'm rearranging my my rotation just so I have my best guys going against this team. And you're not you're pitching your best guy against a team that's out in the West. You could beat them with heel. You can beat the Angels with Montgomery. I want Cole going against the Red Sox. Is it one of those things? Are they afraid? Because if you look at his last few outings, at Cole's last few outings against teams 
like the Red Sox and the Rays, he hasn't stepped up. Are they afraid that will happen? Are they afraid mentally that he's well, going well, to all of a sudden gonna, fall? Are they going to be afraid in the playoffs if they have to play Boston? Is he exactly. not going I mean, come on. Uh, uh, before we get to our guest, Vic DiBattetto, tremendous comedian, I, I have to do our weekly welfare check, Nelly, on our resident Met fan producer, and that would be Jake Brown. So, Jake, just remind me, where are the Mets in the standings now? Are, do they still have the largest <sighs> lead? In Major League Baseball, is it the biggest distance? We are I, 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 two and a half back, and uh, <laughs> our manager is the laughing stock of baseball. Where on Sunday he put his pitcher out there and then replaced him after putting him out there to hit uh, when you're already uh, down six nothing, and he he surrendered the white flag on Friday in the first inning, and uh, it was gone all weekend. So yes, it is Panic City in Mets land here, and uh, we're both two and a half back. So let's have a two and a half uh, party this weekend. How about that? <laughs> that's when you can bet another steak dinner and say okay who's going to make that up yeah speaking of that steak dinner we're still trying to make that uh, up, not my fault we? nelly's traveling the globe we got to find a time <laughs> he's uh hanging in new york uh God. i'll be there uh let's see the 24th for i have all that weekend all right it's in we're doing it uh- All right. Well, coming up after this short break, we're going to get to our uh, guest, and that is comedian Vic DiBattetto, fresh off of his trip from Scotland. He's back to join us and talk Yankees baseball, and that's next right here on the Pinstripe Pod. All right, as promised, such a thrill for us here to welcome in Vic DiBattetto, stand-up comedian. You can follow Vic on Twitter, at Vic DiBattetto, VicDiBattetto.net for all of his tour dates coming up. He's going to be up by me in Ridgefield, Connecticut on September 24th. I'm going to check out tickets for that one as well. Subscribe to Vic's YouTube, at Vic DiBattetto there as well. Vic, thanks so much. He's a huge Yankee fan. We can't thank you enough for coming on and spending some time with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Not a problem. And I got to start with this. I mean, Nelly and I talked about it in our opening segment. When you hear a reliever in Zach Britton, now we all grew up with Goose Gossage, with uh, Sparky Lyle. We saw Mariano Rivera for so long. And when you hear a guy like Zach Britton say, I don't deserve to be out there in the ninth inning because of the way he's pitching. We heard Nelly's thoughts. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that, Vic. I didn't hear Nelly's thoughts. I, first of all, it took me a half hour just to figure out how to get on this damn thing. <laughs> I'm with my reading glasses. I'm asking my son who's good for nothing. But <laughs> I finally got on. You know what? Like you said, this is life without Mariano. And the fact that Britton said that, at least he, I'm glad he said that. Good. Go rest for a while. Let's see who else we got. I don't know what's going on. The Chapman, when he... Just when I see Chapman warming up in a bullpen, I sweat more than him. (laughs) It's never an easy easy one, two, three. It's always, you got to get that stress and the agita and the ulcer. You know, what happened to the old days? Remember Steve Hamilton? Once they get him to throw the folly floater, those were the days. Parky Lyles, (laughs) Nelly, Wetland, come on. I'm old school, man. I, 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 I'm tired of this, of this pitch count and the, you know what the exit velocity is? That's, when I go to Taco Bell, that's the end of the <laughs> After the Taco yeah. Bell. After the Taco Bell. Yeah. But who do we got? Who do we got in the bullpen? Look, I'm not a big Boone fan. I really – but you can't blame the guy. Because, I mean, the people he puts in have to, has to do the job. I mean, we're doing good despite of all the injuries, the COVID. We're doing pretty good. We're winning the past few series. We're over 500. You know, just Tampa Bay and Houston scares me, you know? 
Well, and then, yeah, Tampa Bay and also Boston because all of a sudden they've just uh, they they went in and played the Orioles or the Orioles went in there and all of a sudden anybody that plays Baltimore seems to you know recharge themselves. You know, my thoughts on Britain, you know. He had nasty stuff. You know, to me, a ninth inning is a special inning. Not everybody can do it. It's the last three outs of the game. Very few have short memories or know how to have short memories if they mess up. And, you know, I, I didn't like the way that it came out. I wish, I wish it would have been in-house. And that way, okay, we can stay away from Zach and try to get him some soft landings. I, I think the players nowadays look for excuses and they like to say it in the media because they think they'll get the benefit of the doubt, whether it's to the fans or the media or the organization, or their teammates. They're not the kind that say, you know what? I look myself in the mirror. I suck today. I got to go out and be better. You know, it's more like, oh, you know, I don't think I deserve to pitch in those situations, or, you know, this and that. They look for excuses. They look for pats on the back now, and they never used to be that way. And and I think that's today's player, and it's a little bit, little bit disappointing because now Boone's trying to piecemeal about – six outs in the eighth and ninth inning and he's using everybody he can you know it's difficult for me to watch it it's difficult because the pit starters don't go deep anymore i can imagine what goes through your mind i mean you you came from the tory years those were great years you know and it's changed the game has changed to me analytics i can't stand analytics yeah i, I can't either i understand times change and sometimes the, the old saying so the worst thing than then change is is no change, you know. But the analytics pitch. When's the last time we had a complete game? You know. Yeah. Come on. We had Tori on, and he said it perfectly. He says analytics are trying to make an imperfect game perfect, and there's no way you can do it. Right. Just just go with your gut. You know, like I said, I'm old school. I'm 60 years old, and I'm still pissed that they knocked down Yankee Stadium. I don't know why they did that. You know, they're all about tradition and history. And then you knock down the cathedral. You couldn't refurbish it. That was how the ground. Ah, who am I? I'm just a guy that makes funny videos. What, 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 what do I know? <laughs> all right. Now, there's some crap out there, Vic. And, and this is pretty much your self-deprecating atmosphere that surrounds you. Because I'm the same way. And that's why you resonate so well with me. And you were, and don't, don't give me any crap. Because you are part of the reason that inspired me to get into stand-up. People say, or you say, that you weren't famous until the milk and bread thing but weren't you on rascals like way back in the day didn't you do a show on rascals and how long have you been doing this bread and milk was the first video that happened to go viral that was 2013 i'm doing stand-up since i'm doing almost 40 years the first time i was on stage andrew dice clay was the mc right right in long island i started at pips in brooklyn pips comedy club Oh, Brooklyn. Okay, I thought it was the monsters. Where the monsters met the lobsters. <laughs> the thing is, I've been doing the video since 2009. I did Rascals. I did MTV's Half Hour Comedy Hour. I did Stand Up Spotlight with Rosie O'Donnell. Everybody thinks Bread and Milk put me on the map. It was the one that the first video that went viral. I have over 8,000 videos. I post every day. I don't need to blow smoke up my own ass or my sister's ass or your mother's ass. <laughs> my content is different. I have characters. I have ticked off Vic. I have the Yankee locker room. I have the New York Giants locker room. I got all these characters every day since 2009. Bread and milk happened to go viral. That was the first one that went viral. And it comes back every winter. That's like the, the video that keeps on giving. Every It's up to 20 million views just on Facebook. But if you put all my videos together, all together, it's me and my manager. We said that it's, it's at least over a billion views all together between Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, your sister's ass, the Pony Express, all together. <laughs> but now that's different from the stand-up, which I've been doing since 1982. Where did you start? Did you start out in the Long Island? We just talked before. Uh, uh, Pips, before. Pips and then the big thing was that to branch out to governors in Long Island. That's when Jackie Martin used to book it. 
And then it was the East Side Comedy Club, Richard Minavini. And then the next big step as a comic, you would go to the, the city. And I broke at the danger fields. And I used, I used to do the proms. I did three proms in one night. Come home five o'clock in the morning, you know? But now I'm selling out theaters, casinos, and during a pandemic, which is unheard of. The pandemic screwed, just eliminated all my personal appearances. But that's where the videos took, you know, helped me out. You know, I get, I, I monetize all my videos. So I've been pretty lucky. A lot of guys, they really, they lose, you know, they have grabbing second jobs. I've, I've been blessed during a pandemic. And and you were a bus driver too, right? And, and how, how long did you do that with the comedy? Bus driver for 20, no, no, bus driver to, for 13 years. I drove a garbage truck for 20 years. I drove my garbage truck to Dangerfields and asked the manager, if I pick up your garbage, can you give me stage time? Wow. Who was that? That's Who a hustler. That's a story like this. Garbage truck, dump truck, cement truck. That's why I call myself the working class comedian. Is this something that you wanted to do when you were young? How, when did you start? When did you figure out, hey, this is the direction I want to go in? I always wanted to be a comedian. I was I was the class clown. I was always the guy that made the people laugh when the teacher turned the back. But it all really came together about seven years ago. Bread and milk went viral. I signed up with a great manager. The guy you probably dealt with, Russell Best, the guy, he's just amazing. And Kevin James calls me out of nowhere. I also, I started with him at the East Side Comedy Club. You know, we weren't buddies, but we worked the circuit together. He remembered me and he called me out of nowhere to be in Mall Cop 2 because of this character I do called Tony Gaga. You got a guy, I got a guy. I'll get you this for two dollars. <laughs> and he put me in the movie because of that stupid character. I almost laughed in his face. When he called me, I'm like, who is this? Kevin James. I'm like, who the hell is this? Until I finally figured out, I'm like, oh my God, it's Kevin James. Boom, fast forward, I'm in, a, I'm in a movie. That's how it works. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. Hey, Vic, I, I grew up in a huge Italian family. And I know that you some of these characters that you generate are probably coming from some of the characters in your family. And I've had some of those same characters in my family. And that's why your stuff resonates with me and so many other people. It's because it's real. It's real. And people get it. And that's why it's so good. And that's why it's so funny. And that's why when you sit there and you do those press conferences, along with being a Yankees fan my entire <laughs> life i've been a giant fan too so to sit there and i this is coming from the heart my friend sitting there and watching those post game press conferences that you do and knowing that it's everything that everyone wants to say to the reporters and can't you could feel sometimes that aaron boone joe judge insert manager or coach here that's what they really want to say exactly we're still living in a politically correct world. And, you know, sometimes I feel maybe it's holding my career back, because, but I don't care. Look, you I'm got to be you. Vic, you got to be you. You got to be true to yourself. Look, That's first and foremost. Do I want to be in that next level? Of course I do. Do I want to be in movies and a sitcom? Of course I do. But, I mean, I'm selling out theaters. I'm paying my bills. I got a beautiful house. I got a nice wife. I got two wonderful kids. I'm 60 years old. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy. I And believe it or not, I get some messages when I do those locker room videos. I mean, the stupidity level on this country is just people actually, one person thought, is he really talking to the Yankees? <laughs> yeah. I'm in my garage. What's wrong with people? Where's your wife? 
Where's your family when you're doing those, by the way? My wife is in another room. She's used to me. I mean, when I... But does she, when does I she, ever, videos, when does I she make, ever go in there and watch? No. Oh, okay. She, my wife is... She doesn't... She's. I'm married almost 40 years. She's used to this nonsense. I know. I saw the video of you two at the kitchen table with the coffee. That was tremendous, by the way. You should have seen the comments I got on that one. How dare <laughs> you talk to your wife like that? This is disgusting. <laughs> I'm a comedian. This is fake. <laughs> like on SNL. I'm making this up. Let me tell you something. We're in trouble. When you have Jerry Seinfeld, the cleanest comic, saying that, that PC is hurting this country, that's pretty bad. Has comedy changed like baseball has changed? Like the mentality? I mean, you look at all the sensitive guys now in baseball and sports, and is comedy pretty much taking the same route? Absolutely. When I'm on stage, certain bits... You could hear like some moans in the audience, you know, but most of my fans, they get, they know what they're coming to see. You know, there are some people that haven't had a clue. Oh, who's this guy? Let me go see him tonight. And when they hear my act, you know, you can see the smoke come out of their ears, but it's too bad. This is my show. And I tell them up front, if you're offended, there's the exits. I don't, I don't sugarcoat. I'm 60 years old. I don't care anymore. Jimmy cracked corn and I don't care anymore. And that's the attitude you need to have. I mean, we're, we're living in a world where Kevin Hart, let's face it, he was scheduled to do the Oscars. And for something he said 10 years ago, people act like you can't change. Like you can't grow as a human being. You can. I have a gay son and I wasn't offended by what he said. Seriously. That was, now people are bringing up stuff from 20 years ago. Come on, we all said stuff we didn't mean 20 years ago. What is, now you got to bring it up? It's sad. You know, it really is. You know, I grew up with George Carlin. Could you imagine George Carlin on Facebook? People, oh, God. People would be having seizures. I, I call him the master, Vic, because he could take the English language. He could eat it. He could throw it up, eat it again, and spit it back out even better he did the first time. He was one of the great semanticists in the history of this planet. He was ridiculously talented, and the way he hit all of his bits, every word, just unbelievable, and I miss him dearly because he was a voice of reason in a world of you-know-what. Yep. Me and, him and Pryor were my best, were my yeah. favorite. Two, were, those, were those the guys that you follow? Those are the guys you looked up to, aspired, and maybe took some things from? Yes, and also Jackie Gleason. I mean, just the fact that there was a sitcom about a bus driver from Brooklyn. Hello? <laughs> Jackie Gleason, uh, Archie Bunker. I mean, all your, all your great characters in television from New York. I mean, come on, let's be honest here. You have built a following. You have busted your ass since 1982. That milk and bread thing went viral. And you know the other thing? All right, the milk and bread was unbelievable. I, my wife and I were pissing our pants when we watched that. But was even better, I'll tell you the one that I loved even more, the Christmas music, driving in the car, you're so happy, you're driving around the neighborhood. Because that's, A, that's Jersey, and that's where I'm from, and B, that's exactly what happens. I could be in the best mood in the world, Christmas, Christmas music playing, somebody cuts me off, and that's exactly who I turn into. Oh, God. Go go look up Vic's YouTube channel, please, because you will laugh your ass off from the time you start to the time you finish. Vic, you're, you're just so tremendous. I, I can't even begin to begin to tell you how much we appreciate you spending some time with us, but let's get let's get back to the Yankees because we have to get back and refocus on this team. And, and you brought up a great point, Vic. And that was through everything, 
through COVID, through all the injuries, they're still 13 games over 500. Now, did they become my grandfather's excavation business when I was a kid and dig themselves a hole that they're trying to dig themselves out of right now? Yes. Yes, they did. But as you said, it's not Aaron Boone. He's just putting the guys on the field. They have to perform. Think about this. Everything they've been through, the the horrific losses they've had, and they're still right there in the mix. You know, then again, Yankee fans, we're spoiled. We and are. We really are. You know how many people would kill to have 27 championships? The guy right there, Jake. <laughs> I, I, have zero, I have zero in my lifetime, so I'll just take one right now. Well, who do you follow? Mets. I was born in 91, so I have zero in my, in my living years. <laughs> Look at Vic. Yeah. How, old how old are you? 30. Yeah. Vic, he older than me. You know, when I was your age, I was 30. <laughs> you 30. looked a lot younger. You're 20. Look at me. This is you when you're 60. Look at me. You're going to have hair come out of your nose, your ears, your ass. Yeah. Hey, at least you still have some on your head, my friend. Toilet water. 30. I would give my left testicle to be 30 again. It's a good life. I just wish my teams, Mets, Knicks, Jets, I've seen zero championships, which is pathetic. That's... Well, the Yankees won in the last 20 years. I mean, that's not too exciting. No. You can't get that were... spoiled. But think about this, Vic. They are spoiled. Like, all these kids who were born in 1989, 1988, 1990, their first taste of a championship was 1996. And then they had the five through 2009. Think about someone like me who was born in 73, barely remember 77 and 78. They lose in 81. And then we had to endure the, the freaking 80s. Now, everybody says, well, they were the winningest team of the decade. Oh, really? How many World Series championships did they win? Remember Stump Merrill in the early 90s? I do. Remember Ed Whitson? I do. Remember Eric Plunk? I do. So, yeah. Yeah. I I, I live those. Oh, God. Stop. You're going to make me throw up live here on Squadcast. I got a a great baseball story. You know Phil right? Phil Cousy? Yeah, oh, the umpire, yeah. He became a fan of mine. I did a gig in uh, Belleville, New Jersey, in Nanina's on the Park. Uh, Joe Torrey was there. It was some, some kind of fundraiser. Joe Tor- I, had, I had to follow Joe Torrey. He goes on stage an hour telling stories, Yankee stories. The crowd is killing. And now, uh, thank you, good night. And now the comedian, not even Vic DiPetetto. <laughs> the, the whole crowd stands up and starts walking out. I stood on a chair. And I started screaming at them, what, what am I, a, a mirage? All right, Joe Torrey, great. What, what about, what am I? And I'm doing my act, and they start coming back. And I, I don't know how the hell I pulled it off, but I, I'm proud to say I, I followed Joe Torrey. Anyway, fast forward, Bill Cousy invites me to a game at Yankee Stadium. He said that they're playing the Angels. I'll get you and, a, and a, a guest some comps. I'd like to be my guest. I'm like, wow, Phil, I would love that. We get there. He took us on the field. The Angels are having batting practice. I met Al, Albert Pujols. I met uh, Mike Trout. You know. I didn't meet the Yankees because they batted already. But then he pulls me over. Now, it's me and my daughter. He goes, hey, Vic, you want to see the locker room? I go, Victoria, we're going to the Yankees locker room. He took us to the umpire's locker room. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice chest protector. (laughs) What do they got in there? Is is there like a buffet? What's in the umpire locker room? It's nice, but it's, you know, there's no Yankees. There's no mystique and aura. In the umpire locker 
I hate, I hate Kurt Russell when he said that. Remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. That kind of reminds me. I, I used to do, and I'm sure you're well aware of these when you first started back in the 80s, but when I first started stand-up in the early, uh, I think it was 99 or 2000, actually. Are you still doing it? I wish I was, but there's something. Thank God he's not. There's, some, there's something called cell phone cameras, and if they taped some of my stuff that I wrote and put it up there on the online, I would not have my main job anymore. <laughs> however, however, when I was when I was starting, I would have to do those you know those meaningless like open mics with a cavalcade of people, and I remember going down to Rascals in Ocean County and Jackson. I forget his last name, but Jackson, somebody was uh, headlining that weekend. And there was a lineup of about 10 of us. And I was scheduled to go fifth. And this reminded me when you talked about the Tory thing. Bobby Gonzo was the MC, and he he ran the class at Rascals. And and he, yeah, he's the guy that that helped me out in the beginning. And he really, really thought I had promise. So right before I'm I'm going on and before I had to go up every time and I know this is the poop podcast Jake but every time I was going to go on stage I would get a nervous stomach and I had to go to the bathroom. So two people before I was going to go I would always go to the bathroom to handle my business. I come back out I'm ready to go I'm flushed and I look up at the stage and he brings up the headliner. Uh. Because he- because he just showed up and he goes, you're next. He mouthed it to me. He said, you're next. And I mouthed to him. Yes, <laughs> I, I gave him the finger. So it was Ash Wednesday and something we learned in class, like the improv and everything else. I needed to keep them. He had them. The cra- He killed. Obviously, he's the freaking headliner that weekend. So I walk up on stage and the people in the front row, this is when you could still smoke. They were smoking. So they had an ashtray. So I dipped my finger into the ashes and I gave myself the ashes on the forehead and I kept the crowd going. So luckily I was able to keep them going a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of rode that guy's wake. <laughs> How much time did you do after that? Uh, I, I had five minutes. Everybody that wasn't the headliner had five minutes, but he was up there killing for 10 minutes straight. And then I did five minutes, but the thrill Vic, and I know you could attest to this too. There's, there's nothing in the world. I don't care what your profession is. There's nothing in the world like getting an applause break. Oh, it, it, an ovation. it is on something break. on something that you wrote yeah. and, it, and it happened multiple times. And it's just something that's, it, I, I want to get back and I want to do it. I opened my drawer at the yes network the other day. I have a stack of stuff that I wrote this big. I was going through it. I was like, Oh God, you would get killed if you ever did any of this. Today. Wow. That's awesome. And you know, public speaking is the number one fear in people. Yeah. And what did Seinfeld say? Uh, public speaking is the number one fear. The number two fear is death. So you'd ra- at a funeral, you'd rather be in the casket rather than giving the eulogy. <laughs> you know, it's amazing because during the pandemic, I was doing those virtual shows. Hated it. Horrible. Because you, you don't get that. Like this. You know, the first time I, we had, it was, it was a limited platform. I sold out 300 tickets. It was great. But you only see like, you know, six people. And I'm in my office with the headphones, with the mic, I, I'm, I'm screaming. My wife is, she tried, she couldn't sleep. And you just see people in their homes. One guy is telling his wife, Maria, get me a glass. <laughs> you hear a parrot? I heard a toilet flush. I told my man, <laughs> I, I can't do this anymore. Then we started doing the outdoor shows, which was good. 
till it starts getting cold. Who the hell's going to come out with the cold? And now you got to worry about who's going to come out, who who's not vaccinated, who's scared to pe- sit with people who aren't vaccinated. It, it's a mess. It's a freaking mess. There. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. September 23rd is my 15th wedding anniversary. And for my wife's anniversary, for her present, we're coming to see you at Ridgefield. Did you talk to Russell to get your tickets? No, no, I'm buying them. I'm, I don't I don't need, no, I want to contribute. Right. But uh, well, there's- we'll, show, we'll take a picture. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Vic DiBattetto, please go to his website. I'll Vic- take free ones. <laughs> I'll take free ones. Yeah, I'll, I'll join in with oh, Nelly. Seriously, guys, just, I'm telling you, just hook him up with, with Russell. I'll email Russell and uh, Nelly. We'll go as guest and uh, wave to Shearney. Uh, okay. Corner All right. We don't want to disrupt your date, the fifteenth anniversary, with your with bottle. The stuff that Jake thing. wears, Vic, you'll you'll get uh, just save some save some room for. Uh, he has gold sneakers. Some, yes, gold he sneakers. Gold sneakers. Uh, you know the Salvation Army Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> Hating my thrift shop purchase. Damn. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was sitting next to Tracy Morgan at a game, and hopefully we're going to have him on a Wednesday. And he was talking a little bit about the East Side East Side Comedy Club because obviously it's where Eddie Murphy got to start and all these guys yeah. got to start. Eddie Murphy, Ray Romano, uh, everybody, and, you know, Kevin James, uh, Ray Romano, you name it. Rosie but, O'Donnell. Uh, yeah. You know, I went from Pips, Rosie O'Donnell. Pips was uh, the ultimate Brooklyn club. I mean, if, if you sucked, the the owner would let you know. The owner would heckle you. If you're on stage. <laughs> wow. I did a show one night. Some guy got whacked next door as I'm on stage. Are you serious? What? Oh God, it was a restaurant next door. Did you see the cops, the sirens <laughs> and everything? Only in Brooklyn. Somebody hung the, the gun up behind the pool toilet? <laughs> yeah, the perfect. It's got the perfect. Because I don't want to walk out of there with my you-know-what in my hand. Yep, yep. I can yep. do the whole movie <laughs> right now with you. Ah, good fellas. Well, Vic. Down. Vic, we need to have you on again because talking it goes too fast when you're on. And, and I want to talk to you more about stand-up. I want to talk to you more yes. about your career. We need to talk more about the Yankees. So we'd love to have you back on. But for all you fans out there, please go to Vic's website, VicDiBattetto.net. That has all of his tour dates. Follow him on Facebook. Follow him on YouTube. Follow him on Twitter. It's all at VicDiBattetto. You will laugh until you cry or pee yourself. Trust me. Vic, we can't tell you how much we appreciate this. Thank you so much for coming on. We thank Russ for getting you on with us, and we hope to see you soon, uh, pal. I'll we see you in uh, Richfield. Yes, yeah, you thanks, will. Vic. For our anniversary. Take care, bro. Right. Take care, guys. Thank you. That says goodnight to episode 78, the 1978 World Series Champion Yankees edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Do us a solid. Go into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a positive review if you would. We appreciate it. You could also find us on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Year, and we are back on Thursday after the three huge games versus the Red Sox. Enjoy those games, and thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod.